Hey, one more thing before you go. Is suffering really a natural reaction to pain? We all experience pain on a regular basis, some of us. How can we transcend that suffering and develop a new belief? What are the principles of healing? Does sound play a factor? And I've talked about this before, but we're going to really go in depth today. And is there a path to healing holistically? So many questions, but rest assured, we have all the answers. Stay tuned. We're going to have a conversation with an amazing woman who walked this path, and she's going to share with you all of her secrets so you can do it too. I'm your host, Michael Hurst. Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. My guest in this episode is Kathy Harmon-Luber. She's a certified Reiki and sound healing practitioner. And our healing journey, a, navig a healing journey navigator. Let me try that again. A healing journey navigator. Kathy went from suffering to thriving, reversing the progression of asthma, chronic bronchitis, and an autoimmune disorder, and recovered without surgery. From several debilitating, inoperable spine disease, spinal diseases, and disc ruptures, which left her bedridden for five years. Now she helps others to navigate illness, injury, and loss, and learns how not only to cope with, but to become more resilient, joyful, and thriving. Last year, she launched her best-selling book, Suffering to Thriving, your toolkit for navigating your healing journey, which became an Amazon sensation. Kathy specializes in the principles of healing, holistic practices, and the intuitive healing approach. Today, we're going to learn how to infuse the power of sound healing into your daily life and discover the path to resilience and well-being. Welcome to the show. Hi, Michael. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. What an amazing journey you have been on. I mean, so many things. When I read that, I, I mean, I thought I've been through a lot of stuff, but I read that and you, um, wow. Like you own. have been through a lot of stuff, and I, I imagine a lot of your listeners have too. Yeah, it's been quite a journey that I've been on for decades. Uh, I was I was diagnosed in my twenties with with severe spinal diseases and also autoimmune. So it's been quite a long journey, a but it has been the journey from suffering to thriving. I'm happy to say. Yeah. Well, I, well, and you look great now. You sound great. You look Thank great. You, you know, yeah, we, feeling good. We know what pain looks like. Not only do we know what it feels like, we know what it looks like. And when exactly. We put, that, we put that fake smile up and say, yeah, everything's cool. But in reality, underneath it always isn't. It's Sometimes not. it always isn't. So, yeah. but hey, listen, I, I, you had such an amazing journey. I'd like to start at the beginning, can we? Absolutely. Where'd you grow up? Oh, I grew up in Pennsylvania, uh, western Pennsylvania, in a small town outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, called called Manaka and lovely lovely growing up uh, there for about the first sixteen years of my life. Yeah, I I know what I actually know what that is. My father uh, and um, that part of the family grew up in Allegheny, Pennsylvania. Oh my goodness! Is, yeah, Allegheny County and outside Pittsburgh. Yeah, I know exactly where that's at. Uh, Jeva, what was your family like? Uh, great. You know, we lived, we lived in this wonderful house. I grew up in this house that, that bordered the woods and I was a real nature girl. And my dad, uh, is, was an engineer. He's retired now, but he was an engineer, but he was very, very much into nature himself. And so, 
uh, he would take my sister and I out on our property and into the woods and identify trees and animals. And it was just this lovely, lovely growing up. My mother was terrific. She really supported me in all my creative endeavors. Uh, so yeah, it was it was really lovely growing up there. I have very fond memories. And you have you have brothers and sisters. I have a younger sister. Younger by, sister by three years. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. What um, would you want to be when you grew up? Go to college? I did. Uh, I I really wanted to be an artist and musician when I grew up. Um, I did not go to college for that. My dad didn't didn't approve of that. But I've I've maintained art and music, uh, and now sound healing, uh, photography, all kinds of artistic pursuits, poetry writing, everything. I think I've kept that close to me in my life, even though I've gone on to do different things. And my my undergraduate degree was was in marine biology, uh, and and when I graduated, there there were not a lot of jobs in marine biology. Um, I, I love the ocean. It's, it's always been a part of my life. Uh, so I was, I was thrilled to do that. And then I moved to Washington, D.C. and went to work at George Washington University, where I got a graduate degree in, in publishing, actually. Uh, and I've, I've always loved writing. So that's, that's been a big part of my life. What a diverse opportunity for creativity. Yeah, exactly. Plus, I mean, you know, you would think, at least coming from the Pittsburgh area, with my knowledge of the Pittsburgh area, I don't, that's not too far from the ocean, though, is it? It's not too far. But but when when I was 16, my parents, uh, because my dad accepted a new job in Charlotte, North Carolina, Mm. um, we moved to North Carolina. I went to high school there for a couple of years and then off to college. And the beach was only three hours away. And we spent, you know, (laughs) time there. And so so that's where the real, real love of of the ocean uh, really was born. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it, it's interesting because it, we all sometimes want to, we walk the path we think we're going to be on, and sometimes that path gets altered just a little bit, and and mm-hmm. it, we find new purpose. We think we have one purpose, and we find new purpose. We've talked about it on my show, you know, numerous times, and you know a little yes. bit of my journey, I know some of your journey, but, yeah. um, you know, sometimes when we get to a point where we've had to change our purpose, it, it, it provides an opportunity for you to be able to share your journey to help others. You know, yeah, and, and where it starts, <clears throat> I know that you have a lot of, you've had some, you've, as I said in your intro, you've, got, you've had asthma, chronic bronchitis, and, and an autoimmune, let me try that in English, an autoimmune <laughs> disease. <laughs> uh, when did you first uh, show up with some of these things like asthma? I know that uh, that can show up at a very young age. You know, it did, but it wasn't diagnosed at a very young age. That was the problem. Everybody, the doctors said it was allergies because it wasn't that severe. It wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles and the air is mm-hmm. not so great, right? And so um, I really, then they defined it as adult onset asthma, but I had it. I can remember sitting in classrooms with tears running down my face because I couldn't breathe, you know? Wow. And so it wasn't, it wasn't really diagnosed then. And then uh, some of the other autoimmune diseases were diagnosed when I was living in Washington, D.C., um, and, and got, they got progressively worse over the years. So, uh, same thing with the, with the spinal conditions, you know, they, they were, um, present, 
many years, like when I was in my 20s, uh, um, uh, orthopedic doctor said to me, you have the spine of an 80 year old woman. And I was super active. You know, I was running. I was I, I was a dancer. Um, I, I swam a lot. I, I, I just was active in so many things, um, tennis and many things, volleyball. And he said, you have the spine of a 20 year old, uh, of a, you're a 20 year old with the spine of an 80 year old. And you probably will be in a wheelchair by the time you're in your mid thirties. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to own that. <laughs> and so I, I just began even, even at that young age, I realized that I wanted something very different for my life. And I would look for all the answers that I could find. And I've never stopped looking. And probably like you and a lot of your listeners, we continue to keep searching for answers, right? But but I've never ended up in a wheelchair. That's that's the fantastic news. And I did have a disc rupture in 2016. It was the fourth one. And it left me, I have seven spinal diseases. So mm. as a result of that, um, I, I went to some of the best uh, orthopedic surgeons and, and neurosurgeons in the country and nobody would operate because my spine is just very complicated. Is and it so, hereditary or something genetic? Yes, it's it's hereditary. It is indeed, yeah. In fact, my my father's uncle was on the police force in uh, Scranton, or a, a town near Scranton, Pennsylvania, and he walked the beat. And he had to stop doing that in his 50s because his spine degenerated so badly. Yeah. Oh, that's unfortunate. So anyway, it's a hereditary thing. But, you know, that that spinal rupture in 2016 left me completely bedridden, like for years, for years. And it's only been in the past few years that I've been able to, to, to just get back to a, a normal life. And, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat it. It's still... I have a lot of pain, you know, and, and there are days that, that are worse than others. Um, and there are days when I can be almost like a normal person and, and do things, right? I, I go for little walks and things, and there are days when I can't. And so um, it, it, it's why I call it the healing journey. Like we all call it the healing journey because you don't just solve something and it goes away, right? It's like it, it, you, we can, it continues to come up and we need to deal with things. But the great news is uh, many doctors at that time said, well, it's gonna go one of two ways. Your, your, your body has an immense capacity to heal. Everybody's body has an immense capacity to heal. I should be really clear about that, not just mine. Um, and you know, you, you, you'll either heal or, or you won't. And you know, we just have to give it time. And it was five years and that's, mm. that's really, you know, it's really, um, it was really crazy, but I, I sought everything I could. And that's where the book came about. I started, I couldn't do anything. I was flat on my back and all I could do would put my laptop on my, on my stomach and I could type a journal instead of writing in a journal. Right. So I would look for inspiring quotes on my computer, you know, Google inspiring quotes, things to keep my spirits up because as anyone with anything chronic can imagine, uh, you have good days and you have very, very dark days where you think um, maybe it's always going to be like this and I will never have a normal life again or anything that even resembles modestly normal. 
so so I just I just kept looking for for inspiration. I, I contemplated. I I I wrote a lot, and that's where my book "Suffering to Thriving: Your Toolkit for Navigating Your Healing Journey" came out of. It was from those observations, and 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 just as I realized that our mind is our medicine, and there are other things that are our medicine. In my case, it's art, music, and sound. But our mind, more than anything, is our medicine, and and suffering is a choice. I know that is really hard for some people to hear. And I'm not talking about people who are suffering, you know, in war-torn countries like like Ukraine or people who have suffered injustices. I'm talking about when something happens to us and it doesn't even necessarily need to be uh, something with our health, our physical or mental health. It could be um, people get let go from from jobs that they thought they'd be in their entire career. Uh, people have accidents. People have divorces. There's loss. Uh, we lose people very dear to us, and any of those can 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 be the kind of disruption that brings on suffering in our lives. But suffering at some point becomes a choice. Like I was laying there flat on my back, you know, through the first couple of years of this. And there were days I was suffering miserably in my mind. Right. And I would, I finally, you know, got to the point where with help, you know, I, I also want to take a little pause here to say anyone who is going through something really hard, it is, it is not a weakness to ask, for help from a from a therapist or any any kind of counselor actually you do what you need to do to really uh give yourself the the resilience to get through and it's 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 a strength actually to ask for help so i just wanted to put that out to, there to any of our listeners who are who are really going through something where they might need help and but and i my interject yeah. It, oh, and, and I think it's one of the hardest things that individuals that are going through anything, whether it be chronic pain, whether it be an accident, injury, um, yeah. uh, or anything along that line, even divorce or a loss, it, the hardest thing to do is ask for help. Yes. And I, I don't know why society and culture, at least within our society and culture, mm -hmm. they have made it almost a taboo thing to have to ask for help or look at it as a That's weakness. Right. And, you know, there are other cultures out there that don't have an issue right. by taking care of somebody. Or they, it, they automatically know they're going to take care of their elders. Or they're going to know if they have to take care of somebody. And it's all accepted part, a part of their society and their culture. Unfortunately, within our society and culture here, it's always looked upon as a weakness. And I can tell you that it, you as the listeners, I can tell you and the viewers... I can tell you from my own personal experience that I had to I had to overcome that as well. I had to go from a sergeant that had 13 guys, 13 men and women that worked under me, you know, that came to me as their leader. I had to to ask for help just to be taken to the toilet. So from my wife or to wash my hair or to help me get dressed or and it was extremely humbling. And it was difficult for me to really understand the process of having to just ask. But I can tell you, once you do, and you open your eyes, and your heart, and your soul, and you look around, you will see that there are people there that 
You just need to ask. Right. And put your I'm hand so out. happy you said that. Yeah, yeah. It is a really hard thing. I even write about it in the book in terms of asking for help because that is not something that, that most of us uh, – go around doing you know we're we're competent people we take care of others we do our work we are active in our communities and to say i need help with the most basic things in our lives is really hard and i write about it in the book as taking inventory you know take inventory yeah. where do you need help and then match it up with the people in your lives you know who who's the best person for this and how can you spread it around so you're not a burden because I think that's the hardest part. We feel like we're being a burden to the people in our lives. Exactly. You know? I felt like I was being a burden to my husband. And then I was like, I, I want, I have, you know, a lot of friends and community members. Like, how can we, how can we reach out? And we had, I had to, re, I had to reach out and say, we do need help. You know, we need help with people bringing us groceries, just basic things, going basic and getting exactly. our mail at the post office, basic Working stuff, all of that. Yes, exactly. Or buttoning a shirt. You know, it's may, may I ask yeah. this? Were you bedridden? Were you married when you when you were bedridden? Yes. And my husband is a is a saint and an angel, honestly. Because yeah, I mean we've been together for for uh, a couple decades now. And and so um when this happened, you know, it was it was just um it changes Just, your life. It was really, it changes your entire life, as you yeah. know, and and pain changes your life. I mean, you know, the, the pain scale that doctors use is is one to 10. And my, if that is the case, my pain was like a 25, as I'm sure yours was. It's like, there is a level of pain where you can't yeah. move. You can't move anything. Like I would lay in bed, the shape of a crescent moon, you know, like yeah. head on this side and feet over here to get the pressure off that part of my spine. And I could not move an inch. And it was crazy. And that went on for a long time, you know. Yeah, the pain, the level, when you have chronic pain from from anything, in regard to whether what you have, what I have, what others have, where you live with pain on a daily basis, our pain scale is uh, doubled and tripled from what the normal pain scale is. I would have <laughs> I, little, a little humor. I went in to have some procedures done on my eyes and the doctor was like, okay, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. And he's he's going, oh, this is going to hurt. And I'm really sorry. And I'm really sorry. And he's doing it. And he goes, you're not even flinching. I said, because that's nothing <laughs> compared to what I usually go through on a, a daily basis. What you're doing really is nothing. And I said, not taking away from that. He goes, well, can I continue? It's like, do what you got to do kind of a thing. Because it we had to talk about it afterwards. And I said, living with pain on a regular daily basis, it changes your level of pain. So when they go from the scale from one to 10, ours usually goes from one to 20 or one to 30. And, yeah. and our one to 10 is really somebody's normal. That's right. That's right. Our, our 20 to 30 is when we start saying, I really hurt. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, I've tried to explain to my husband and friends, you know, when the pain is is at its its very worst, the average person would be rushing themselves to the emergency room, right? Yeah. Because it's like that much. But in my book, I talk about like you know, okay, so there there's there's Western medicine, and I Western medicine has saved my life many times, and it it 
I, I just can't say enough about it. It's it's brilliant in that they can diagnose so well and and, and figure out what we need. But there's all the complementary things, and there's a there's a large range of complementary things we can do to reduce pain, breath work, meditation, um, visualization, uh, so so many things. And I and I write about these in in the, in the book. There's a whole chapter dedicated to pain because. So many people I work with are in similar situations. They're dealing with chronic pain and it can be completely debilitating. Um, as I write in the book, it can change our personalities. Like we become different people. Like people will say, you know, oh, you seem so this or that or uh, today. Like, oh, you seem so mean today or you seem so irritable or whatever it is. It's not our personality, it's, it's pain sort of takes over and it, it becomes very hard to, to participate in the world the way you used to before pain. I guess that's the way I would say it, you know? It's about that. Uh, that's about that. It's a good analogy, the way that's placed, because it just kind of changes. Well, it changes your life and it changes those around, uh, around you as well, yes. because they, you know, and sometimes we're lucky and we have individuals like your husband or my wife yeah. and my kids. They have a better understanding from it because they have seen it, watched it, and watched right. you experience that. So, you know, it's grateful. And that's where it comes into asking and having a better understanding yes. of what's going on and to really um, take the time to be more empathetic in regard yeah. to to the deep portion of that. It's not like stubbing a toe, as I said earlier. It's, it goes right. a little deeper sometimes. Um, what got you, Donna, you were bedridden for how long? Five years? Five years. Five years. How'd you get out of there? How'd you get out of bed? Yeah, that's a great question. A number of things. So, of course, um, doctors said to me, if you are up and doing things and it's causing pain, you're causing more damage. It's not like when I used to go to the gym and it was no pain, no gain, right? It's not that. So I had to, to really balance out um, setting goals for myself. You know, I said, you know, for the longest time, Michael, I couldn't walk, you know, six, 10 steps to the, to the bathroom without, without just such horrific pain. It was, it was an extraordinarily difficult experience. And then, you know, it, it got to the point where that was that was becoming a little better after after many months. And it was like, okay, I want to be able to walk to the bedroom door. And then it took me maybe, I don't know, maybe six months to be able to do that. But I kept setting these little goals. So everything is incremental. And then after I was able to do that, it was like, I want to be able to walk to the kitchen and make a cup of coffee or tea. So, so goal setting is, is really, really important. And then the part that, that, that feeds our soul, like, okay, so, so before this happened, I was hiking in our mountains. I was, I was walking about, you know, eight to 10 miles, uh, 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 eight to 10 hours a week. I was swimming three hours a week. Um, I was performing classical flute in our town every weekend, at least once on a weekend. Um, I had this, we, we entertained, we had friends over, we had all kinds of things we were doing, dinner parties, you know, the whole active life thing. I would say I was living the life of my dreams. And when that comes to a crashing halt all at one time, or insidiously, if it's just things are gradually taken away as 
as a disease progresses, it does a number on us, on our heads. And what we need to figure out is what is our medicine? Okay. So I alluded to this earlier. Um, our mind is our medicine. For me, nature is medicine. I live in the mountains. Uh, uh, music and art were my medicine. So I had to begin to look at, I made a list, what I cannot do anymore. And beside it, what I could do instead. So I couldn't ride horses anymore, but I love to draw. So I, I just really leaned into drawing and sketching horses or whatever. I couldn't play classical flute. It's, it's out at the side, you know, and that would really torque my back. So I, I started playing Native American flute. I, I had been playing for many, many years and I realized I could play it laying down um, and without harming my back. And so we, we have to go from inability to ability and those things feed our soul. And then realizing that, that suffering is a choice. I realized very early on that I could become a really bitter, unhappy, angry old lady one day, right? Just because of this terrible thing that was dealt to me, or I could choose something different instead. I could choose joy. I could choose to thrive. I could choose inquiry. And part of it is asking the right questions. These are all tools in the toolkit of my book, but asking the right questions. When something happens to us, we say, why did this happen to me? This is so unfair. Um, what is going to happen to me? Is it always going to be like this? I mean, the mind just goes in all of these bad directions, the downward spiral. And so we have to ask the right questions like, what if this moment, this, this illness, this injury is a portal into something better eventually in my life? Like, obviously not in this moment, but like maybe it's a portal to uh, a new path. And that's what it has been for me. And I think probably you might even say that and, and others too, you know, it's like, it becomes a portal. I believe that our healing journey is embedded in our life's journey because if we're lucky to live long enough, something's going to happen. You know, we're, we're, we're going to become ill. We're going to get injured or, or old age. Your, your healing journey is embedded in your life's journey, which is embedded in your soul's journey. And that gets us to purpose. And so, you know, I've always been a, a rather purpose led person like you are. And, you know, I've, I've worked at nonprofit organizations that make the world a better place and done grant writing to raise money for all kinds of humanitarian issues. I've been a musician and artist and brought beauty to the world. And I thought that was my mission. And then this happened to me. And it's like a lot of those things I can't do like I used to do. Right. So so what became very, very clear over these years and what healed me, I think, is is recognizing my love for sound. And I had been really into sound healing and Reiki healing before that. But, but when this happened, it was an opportunity for me to really drill down, learn more, uh, experience sound healing daily in my life and Reiki energy healing daily in my life. And that has become my new path. And so, right, path. we have to ask ourselves, we have to ask ourselves, 
And that gets to gratitude. Like, you know, I would, I would, I would lie there in bed and say, I'm really grateful it's not worse. I'm grateful I have my husband and my friends. I'm grateful I live on this beautiful mountain. I go through my gratitude practice. But one day that 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 seed is planted in your head where you say, I'm actually grateful this happened because I would never have gotten off that other path and and found even more happiness and purpose and ability to help others in service to others in their healing had this not happened to me. Yeah. And I and I agree with that. Sometimes you know, I, for the yeah. longest time I went through a lot of anger and denial and resentment for having to oh, go yeah. off of my path because I was I was going to study to, to be a lieutenant and then do like my colleagues were doing going up the line. You know, I, most of my friends and the people that I worked with or worked under me went on to be you know, captains, lieutenants, commanders, uh, uh, assistant chiefs, chiefs and sheriffs, actually. And it's kind of, I, you know, I would sit around there thinking, why me? Why didn't I get to do that? Why? What for? You know, kind of thing. And I did the kind of the same thing that you did. And my daughters actually had to remind me of this as well as my wife, but my oldest daughter, especially my youngest daughter. I, I will say that in my particular situation, even when I was in a wheelchair, my daughters didn't bat an eye uh, about me being disabled, but they also didn't let me get away with anything either. So <laughs> it's kind of one of those things that, you know, um, it's, they recognize the fact that, that you, and, and I have to say this to everybody, and I, and I may have said it before in the past with any conversations that I've had, but you, you have a choice in life. And you pretty much described the choice. You had to make a choice to, to say, I want to, I'm going to walk to the bathroom by myself. Um, the choice, I want to walk to the bedroom door by myself. I want to walk in and make a cup of coffee or a cup of tea myself. You have to make a choice to do that. And once you make a choice to do that, I think it opens up the doors for things. I, I value the fact that you utilize creative arts um, with part of your healing process because I wholeheartedly believe in creative arts and in healing. I'm talking about in 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 I, I'm experienced within within this arena in that regard. Part of my master's degree is in interdisciplinary studies with a focus on digital media and performance and then integrating creative arts with healing. So, you know, that's where uh, you use art and drama and music in, in in dance to utilize those methodologies to help you heal and overcome things whether it be both physical and or mental. Um, it's a brilliant way of expressing yourself or to uh, help you to overcome something or to help you soothe and relax. And sound plays an extremely valuable uh, aspect of that healing purpose because sound, like all of our, and, and I know that you'll talk more about this, but from my perspective that I have learned is sound plays an immense part of our healing process in regard to whether or not we can relax or whether or not it takes us out of the painful situation that we're feeling or if we're having a bad day or a flare day. Because I'm the same way. I have great days and I have bad days still. I still have a disease. So there are days I can go, yeah, I feel this is fantastic. I, I you know, I won't stand up and dance, but you know what I mean? I, 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 I feel great. And there are days that I don't want to move. So I utilize the same thing. I utilize meditation, and I utilize music, and I utilize, um, uh, are you kidding me? 
course, I forget what these are. The, um, the, we'll have to come back to that one. <laughs> but I utilize the uh, listening to a certain megahertz of sound. Uh, oh, binaural, yes. pardon me, binaural, binaural beats. Use, yes. Binaural beats. Couldn't think of that name a minute ago. That's okay. Um, so yes, I use binaural beats to help me oh, to good. manage my pain and to help me regulate my because my heart rate goes up when my pain goes up, my blood pressure goes oh, up yeah. when my pain goes up, things like this. So I utilize binaurals. I utilize the 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 uh, the bowls. Oh, you know, good for for sound and things like this to help me to. Uh, to relax, I utilize Qigong music and Tai Chi music yes. for meditation, and and I, I I wholeheartedly believe in it. So I couldn't wait to have this conversation with you because uh, oh, I know good. that you're going to help us understand utilizing and what you just described, utilizing some some of the Reiki that you learned, um, yeah. and, and the sound in healing. So how how did you get involved in in Reiki, for example? What brought you into that arena? Because that's a that's a unique approach to uh, Eastern medicine, basically integrating it within our lives. It is, but I'll say before I tell you how I got involved in it that right now in the United States and Europe, um, many hospitals have in their integrative healing uh, departments or divisions Reiki masters like myself oh, working cool. to help people and sound healers. I mean, quite a lot of hospitals and nursing homes too in the United States and, and uh, across Europe are doing this with and, and, and doctors are, are, are finding that it does make a yeah. difference, sound healing, especially when it's combined with the Reiki. But I got into it. Um, hey, can, I, can I interject one thing with that? Oh, it, sure. It just it me. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, no it's interesting because when I did research for one of my papers in, in dealing with sound, uh, there's a story that I had um, included in part of my research, and it was of the nurses and the doctors within uh, a World War II, one World War II, uh, vets hospital wow. before they realized what PTSD was. They called it shell shock. Oh, yes. They utilized. They found out by putting records on or putting music on, it would kind of kind of quell the raging beast when these guys were really having some problems yes. and issues and couldn't deal with yes. other sounds. They yes. would put music on and they eventually put record players on both ends of the ward and they would play both both at the same time to help wow. these, these guys kind of relax and to go to sleep and finally get some rest. That's so, beautiful. And at the time, they didn't know PTSD. They just knew shell shock. Right. These soldiers right. couldn't you know, do this kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, it's that's fantastic. I didn't know that they were integrating that in today's hospitals and music, but it just clicked with me about my research. This research was, well, a number of years ago, 2010, 2011 arena. So, you know, at the time, the hospitals weren't doing that here. So right. that makes me happy. Oh, I'm so thrilled. And it's so wonderful yeah. to hear that you shared that because I had never heard that before. But I'll tell you some interesting things. Well, first, I got into it because um, my autoimmune diseases that were that were diagnosed in my 20s started getting really bad when we moved to this mountaintop, uh, 5,200 feet uh, in the sky. Actually, the first place we moved was 6,200 feet. And, and, it, and it really caused a lot of um, peri peripheral 
uh, neuropathy in my in my feet and hands. And so uh, a friend is a Reiki master, and she said, "Why don't you let me give you a Reiki session?" And I was totally open to it. You know, I'd heard of it, just didn't know a lot about it. And I had such an amazing experience. And she walked me through visualizations and the whole experience felt so good, not just from the standpoint of feeling relaxed and uh, just, just very deeply relaxed, you know, it was so much more than that, that I kept going back. And at one point she says, you know, you're very sensitive to the energy. Let me teach you. And so that's when I began my, my Reiki study. And I'd, I'd been going to sound baths up until that point for relaxation. I had these very, very demanding uh, uh, jobs, r raising money for nonprofits. It, they were very stressful. You can imagine high stress of raising money. And I used to go to sound baths for relaxation, just to That's unwind. Cool. Very cool. And then I started noticing other other changes. So so fast forward, I I began studying uh, about ten years ago. You know, I I had uh, gotten some bowls, and I, I had a lot of other instruments. The the Native American flutes I've been playing for probably 30 years now um, and other things, kalimbas and, and frame drum and, and lots of, of instruments. And then about 10 years ago, I got really curious about it because again, I was a marine sciences major. And so I was like, why does this work? Like the sound healing stuff, like what makes it tick? And so I took a class with John Stuart Reed and others, but but he is a what is called a sonic scientist, and he works hand in hand with medical doctors. And what he has found is astonishing. Um, some of this, some of this also has been done out of UCLA here in California. And uh, the other place that he's done the research is with Rutgers. So with really very reputable research institutions. And what they what they have done is they've 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 put uh, in they've they've looked at blood that has been um, you know where the cells are very very damaged they're inactive because of disease or or something and they would apply a frequency to it in 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 a very scientific chamber that that only that frequency is applied to it and they'd watch the cells and after twenty minutes of a frequency the cells that were damaged would begin to come back to life. It would reinvigorate them. So there, there's a guy out of UCLA, a researcher by the name of James Jim Zuski, if, if memory serves. And what he has discovered recently in the past couple of years is, is staggering, just, just amazing to me. And it's, it's going to change the face of modern medicine, I think. Uh, and that's what, that's what a lot of the, the medical doctors involved in this are, are saying, but, but what they found is sound, cells in our body, different cells, like could be blood cells, could be heart cells, could be brain cells. They emit a special frequency. We can't hear it to our ears, obviously, but in a lab where they have very sensitive microphones, they can, can hear the frequency of sound that those cells emit. And the fascinating part is when they apply that frequency to damaged cells, they are invigorated, much like the blood cells that, that I was talking about. And so what they're finding now is certain 
uh, hertz, which is which is nothing more than than the, the the wavelength of vibration. So so hertz at a certain level will 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 activate brain cells, and so what they're what they're what they're hoping to research next is um, these these. Uh, it has extraordinary potential not only for us who want to keep our brains young and healthy, but for people who might have uh, Alzheimer's or, or, or brain injuries or other things. So that's where the research is heading. And I will tell you that, that you, you ask me like what contributed to, to my, my spine getting so much better and stronger. I was doing all of these things. I was doing supplements and rest and physical therapy, which I started two years after being bedridden um, and continue to this day, all of these different complementary things. And when I integrated into my own sound healing practice, a gong, a gong, because one of my teachers said, the gong is the most healing instrument. It has the lowest of lows and the highest of highs, and we can't hear them with our human ears but they're there. So the gong actually invigorates every cell in the body. Like you don't have to just take a tuning fork that is 40 Hertz and apply it, you know, to your spine, right? Tuning fork at 40 Hertz is supposed to help with pain relief. And I've actually found that to be true. It doesn't Mm -hmm. make it go away forever, but if you're in a really bad, bad, painful episode and you've tried everything, it, it, it takes it down a notch. And I think for anyone who has chronic pain, like taking it down a notch is a hugely beneficial thing. 100%. Right? But 100%. the gong has has helped me to, to really improve much, much more than, than the rate of improvement I was having before. So um, that's what makes me I might have to look into say. getting a gong. <laughs> I think, I think, I think it's worth, it's worth looking into, you know, and, and there are gong baths. Uh, part of the work that I do as a sound healer is I do one-on-one work that's targeted to individual people and the people who have had issues that, that, you know, um, the regular sound bath helps but, but mm-hmm. probably not as maximally. I always pull in the gong and they always say, I was really prepared not to like that gong, but it's, it's played very gently. You know, it's not, it's not loud and clashing as we tend to think of it. Don't if we play it. Don't play it like a bass drum. That's right. Exactly. So anyway, um, play gently. It, it, it has all of these overtones and people respond to it really well and say that it's been, been beneficial to them too. So, so I love that part of it. Well, I, I like the, I like what you were saying about them you know, exploring the ideas of music and, and the mind and, and the Alzheimer's and stuff. My father-in-law yes. had Lewy body dementia oh. and you know, we were with him the last 18 months uh, of his life and took care of wow. him and, I will tell you in in also exploring the creativity of the use of music and sound. Um, from music, from a music perspective, there has been studies that have shown, and it worked with David, is that you know um, anybody that's taking care of anybody with any kind of an Alzheimer or type or dementia, especially in regard to that, you know these individuals as they progress in the disease sometimes uh, don't have a filter. For anger, for example, or frustration, yeah, and and they they get anger and frustration like we do too. They just don't understand it, and right. they don't understand what's happening to them, which creates more anger and frustration. But music would always 
kind of quell that. It would kind of soothe that. In certain songs and certain music, even though he had forgotten his own daughter's name, the song he would remember. Wow, that's amazing. Kind of a thing. So, yeah, Ooh. doing more talking to the hospice people, talking to the nurses, and talking to yeah. other individuals that were kind of going, yeah, we found that we found that that you'll find dementia and Alzheimer patients that are in facilities at the moment. Someone will come visit them, and music will come on. And they'll recognize the music, or they'll go over and want to dance because they recognize wow. that music, or that's or beautiful. something, which is really cool from my perspective. That's, but it resonates with so what you were saying. Cool. It, it does. It and just touches the touches the cell and touches the soul. Yes. Well, and music is a universal language. It is. It really is. Yeah. And uh, John Stuart Reed also says, and I, and I have a, a number of things that that I've developed that. that our listeners can and, and viewers can can do at home to integrate sound into your life. So I want to touch on that. But one of the things is is actually 20 minutes of listening to music that you love is healing. They've 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 shown this. In other words, this is not just me saying this. This has been proven with these sonic scientists and and who work hand in hand with 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 medical doctors and other researchers. 20 minutes of music you love. And we always think Oh, classical music. It's so soothing, right? It doesn't have to be. That was the big surprise. Anything that is music you love, that isn't played too loud, um, music with a beat, like good old rock and roll, um, can, can be very, very beneficial to an individual if you, if you happen to love that music. And so that's sort of the first prescription. You know, when I'm working with my clients, it's like, here are some things you can integrate. The first thing is you know, if you can get a sound bath, definitely do. You know, uh, Zoom quality is so excellent right now. They, they have a professional sound thing that I use that it really comes through and you hear all the frequencies and it's it's it really can be healing. So go to an in-person sound bath or or an online sound bath. Can, or, can I ask a question, please, to help people understand yes, what exactly is a sound bath? I mean, you mentioned it a couple times, but yeah. what exactly is a sound bath? Good question. It's an immersion in sound. Simple as that. It's an immersion in, of sound. And many people use the crystal bowls that you alluded to, and I do too, uh, or, or Tibetan bowls, but Native American flutes, uh, frame drum, uh, kalimbas, um, uh, the gong, uh, any, any kind of, of, of instrument, oh, tuning forks, of course, all of those put together, and, and when I build a sound bath for an individual, it's based on what they're going through. Like if somebody is dealing with, with uh, um, chronic pain, you know, it's, it's a certain set of frequencies plus the gong. Um, I, use, I use singing as, as, as part of this too, uh, singing healing, healing tunes from around the world, actually. And so it, it can be, it can be this, this menu of things that, that we pick and choose the right frequencies for a particular issue. I, I'm going to be developing with a, in fact, I'm in the process of developing now a heart chakra healing uh, uh, program that, that is like a, a course, a module uh, in collaboration with um, Dr. Charlize Davis, who is a, a doctor of integrative medicine. Uh, and functional medicine. And so 
we're developing that. So, so you can target like to the heart chakra or, or to the brain or to other things. Um, but what people can do at home, this is really fascinating. And I, and I, I just tell everybody I meet this basically, <laughs> which is um, the humble hum as discovered by Jonathan Goldman, uh, probably 30 or 40 years ago, he wrote a book about this. The, the vagus nerve travels um, from, from you know, uh, this, this area, and it it's called a wandering nerve because it wanders through our body, and it, it helps to control things like blood pressure and heartbeat and breathing, all the things that we don't think about, right? But if the vagal nerve is not toned, it is, it is out of balance. And that's when some of these, these things can either happen or, or it can be a, a byproduct of. And so humming activates the vagus nerve. So, so I tell everybody, you know, uh, sing, hum, listen to music you love. Um, there's, there's another thing, tapping percussively on your body. Like I play frame drum, but you can just, you can just tap on your body a beat. And it, 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 it's our mother's heartbeat that we hear in the womb is healing to us, right? And so we don't hear that again, usually after birth. We sometimes hear our own heartbeat, but, but the drum resembles the human heartbeat. And so it can help bring us into um, a different brain state that, that is more relaxing and where healing happens. When we're stressed, when we're amped up, when we're plugged into our devices, um, you know, the, the, the stress hormones, the cortisol and all of that, uh, that's not healthy for us. And we all know that now, like stress is, stress is not good for us. How can we bring that down? Those, those simple ways that I just mentioned, the singing, the humming, the music, listening to music you love, um, and, and, and the percussive tapping, you can tap on a, a table or a book or a drum or, or on your, on your, on your, you know, hand or, or wrist, uh, all of it, if sustained, can be healing. And, and the thing is, we don't just do it one time. Like we can't go to the gym one time and, and have toned muscles, right? Well, it works the same way. Um, we need at least four to five minutes for our bodies to come into entrainment, which is just a, a fancy word for, for our bodies becoming, um, um, balanced with with the frequency that we're healing or uh, feeling uh, the cells are feeling so it's 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 our body becomes entrained to that sound and so we need at least four to five minutes but they've discovered that 20 minutes is actually optimal and so if you build that into your daily practice it it does begin to change your life and and as I was able to become, you know, up and out of bed more often, I started doing these things. I'd start playing the bowls. I would start playing my drum. I'd play my Native American flutes. And I do believe it all contributed to, to the healing because it puts us in this, in this space where we're receptive to healing, where we're relaxed. And on especially stressful days, you know, I, I even just build in four or five minutes, like, on the hour to do some breathing and a little bit of sound healing, maybe with tuning forks or one of the smaller bowls. So these things are very easy to integrate into our lives. And over time, they make a huge difference. Huge. Yeah. One of my favorite songs, you're talking about that with a heartbeat, one of my favorite songs and my go-to songs, I'll say, 
is Adele rolling in the deep. I love that song. It's, it's, it's the heartbeat, right? It is the heartbeat. It's you the got heartbeat. it. I mean, you can That's turn that up. You and you can, yeah, it's kind of like yep. you feel that. And you, you kind of feel it deep down inside. It's like, yeah. You do. Absolutely. And then as for the singing thing, remember uh, Will Ferrell and Elf? Yes. He said singing. Singing is nothing more than singing. I'm singing. I'm singing. It's nothing more than talking with a little singing. That's right. Kind That's of a right. Thing. And the best and way it doesn't... to spend Christmas cheer is what I can't remember the exact quote. The best way to spe uh, spread Christmas cheer is singing or possibly. Watch I can't Elf. remember. I can't remember. <laughs> I've got to rewatch that. Yeah, but, I gotta but watch Elf. It's it's true. And and people people get so hung up about their voices. Like, am I singing it right? Am I singing in tune? Am I am I pitchy? All this stuff. Yeah, singing is no, nothing more than care. talking. Yeah, singing right. is nothing more than talking just That's in right. a tone. <laughs> That's right. It's exactly right. And yeah. and our bodies don't recognize it as that. Our bodies intuitively sing and and one of the things that i love to do i do this on the head of my frame drum which is very resonant but but i just love to just sing sounds you know or it, it could just yeah. be a vowel you know like um the the uh the ancient cultures of like india you know the bija mantras um simple simple seed vowels that we that we can chant or sing um they, well, meditation they really, you they do um healing. that's right that's that's one of them that's that's one of the seed mantras actually um so so it people have to get out of their heads that i have to sing well i have to sing precisely it's not that our bodies do not care we could be we could be singing anything it doesn't have to make sense you don't have to sing words you could sing to your garden i love to sing to the trees like I live in a forest and I just walk around the yard now. I go for walks, little walks, and I, I just sing or hum. And I don't do it particularly well, but but it feels good. It feels really good to do. And that's it, the important part. I can almost guarantee the trees are loving it. So, yeah. I think so. Because <laughs> we're all one with the universe. We're all one with the trees and the bushes and the birds and the bees and everything else. So, yeah. Yeah. And, well, it's you know, an offering. It's, it's exactly. an offering that we exactly. give. And another of my teachers has said, that when we sing outside, I never knew this until, until he said this, but, but when we sing outside, song or any, any, any tone is not a wave, it's a bubble. Oh, it's that. a sound bubble. It goes out in a bubble. It doesn't come out of our mouth in a little wave, right? It comes out in, in this bubble. And they've done, they have the research to show this and it's That's beautiful. But, but these cool. sound bubbles can unimpeded if you're outside, they go up into the universe. They go up into the stars. I mean, we get messages back from from stars and planets that that the telescopes pick up those sounds, exactly. right? Our little sounds—they might be really little, but they're 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 up there going up into they're the universe. There. I always thinking of think of it as a as an offering, right? It's an well, it's an offering to the world. I agree with that. It it's like yeah. it's like the little cliche, dance like no one's looking. You can That's sing right. like no one's listening, but you can That's sing right. and enjoy it. And somebody's going to listen or something will listen. Yeah. Or hum, hum, or hum. hum to the trees, hum to the garden. I hum while I'm in the garden, you know, and it feels good. And I like to believe the plants enjoy it. 
<laughs> I, I I would say yes. I wholeheartedly believe in the fact I talk to my trees and my plants and they actually grow See, pretty yeah. well. And I think that they, you yeah. know, when they're struggling, I go out and talk to them and my neighbors probably think, there's the crazy old guy in the backyard again. But <laughs> yeah, don't worry about the neighbors. But you know, there was that wonderful book that was written by um, Emoto, uh, Masuro Emoto, I think his first name is Masuro. And he wrote this book <clears throat> about about you know the snowflakes and 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 water and and uh, teachers have done this experiment in classrooms with kids talking to plants you know you speak negative words to a glass of water you know hate filled words to a glass of water and to this one over here you speak love and kindness and then they look at the molecules under the microscope and that could be for snowflakes as well same thing happens same thing happens with plants mm. one will one will die one will live and there are lots of experiments about this, but his books are beautifully written and very accessible that, that demonstrate that words do make a difference. You know, words of kindness. And, and that, that also is something that's part of the healing journey. It's like, you know, we want to say, you know, we want to we wanna curse at our body parts that aren't working and say, you know, darn you. And, you know, it just be, that's disempowering. I'm a gentleman, so I won't say what I really said. I know. Well, I, I, was, I was going to be a lady and not say what I might say, but you know, it, it's like those are disempowering things. And if we speak love to our bodies, like like one of the things when I said I would set goals and then I'd achieve it, I'd walk twenty steps, and now I'm up to thousands. But like when I was walking, just able to walk twenty steps, I was like, "Yay me, go, sweetie, you really did it. Thank you, thank you, body. You know, just whatever you have to say." And it sounds totally goofy and i'm saying it out there to everyone but but it does make a difference it, it does make a difference it's words of healing and all you have to do is see those those side by side images of what hate filled angry words do and what loving kind words do and you never speak unkindly to your body again you know it's interesting because you know uh, that analogy within itself has a lot of meaning to it because we if we do speak negatively about ourselves then we start believing it and and i think that a lot of um challenges that many people have in regard to that it drives them down a negative path and a dark path um dealing a lot with uh people taking that dark path and a lot of it was negative talk within themselves and you know, and and of those around us. You know, my oldest daughter, and you know, if, as you probably heard through the podcast, you know, she came to me when I was feeling sorry for myself sitting in a wheelchair. Yeah. When I asked her what she wanted for her wedding present, she said, "I want you to walk me down the aisle," and that motivated me. Those words are what what lit the fire under me to get out of the wheelchair and to move forward, and not look back. Um, so you know, it, and then the my wife and my my other daughter and and those my colleagues are their words also helped me to move forward and continue my journey of healing within yeah. myself so words mean a lot they, they mean really a do. lot uh, for speaking me of too. words yep. let's let's talk about how i pressed the wrong button again let me go back and do this again that's okay <laughs> let me mark this speaking of words Let's find out how somebody can get in touch with you uh, to find out about your book and to find out your services and how you can help them. 
Thank you, Michael. Yeah, the easiest way to get in touch with me is through my website, which is sufferingtothriving.com, which you have here. And there people can listen to podcasts like like this and read some articles that I've written for magazines. They can find out how to work with me. Uh, They can connect to my social media. It's it's all right there at the website. That's that's the easiest way to find me and the book. And I'll make sure that those uh, the link to your website uh, will be in the show notes so that everybody has e- easy easy access to be able to just click Thank that you. link and follow you through. Um, but uh, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you very much for sharing your journey and your experience and your wisdom. And thank you for taking the the choice or making the choice. To, to get up out of that bed, because if you wouldn't have done that, you may not be here having a conversation with me, sharing the tools and the positivity that others have the opportunity to walk the same path. So thank yeah, you. It's been an honor to be here with you, Michael. I, I just love our conversation, and I, I hope it inspires people, and your story certainly does. I, I, your story has inspired me because of what you have gone through as well. We all walk a similar path. We all have been yeah. through and can say we've experienced some of the same things. And each one of yeah. us have a unique path ourselves. And your journey and my journey are similar in certain ways. But you have overcome so much more that uh, it's been an honor having you on the show as well. Oh, thank and you I appreciate so much. That. I'm grateful. Anyway, this is one more thing before you go. So before we go, do you have any words of wisdom we can share? Oh, yes. I would say the most important thing is, is, is to never lose hope and to never give up trying to find your purpose in life. I would say that at this just really incredibly challenging time on earth, not to mention each of our lives, but on the entire planet. And I know that each one of us is here for a reason with a gift to bring forward to the world. Let your healing journey or or whatever the disruption is in your life, let that open a door to finding your gift that you can share with the world and never lose hope. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Those amazing words of wisdom. Thank you much, very much for sharing those as well. Thank you. Kathy, I appreciate you. As I said earlier, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, I hope we have another conversation down the road. I think you've got much more to share, and I would love to do that. Everybody, please follow the link that I'll put in the show notes to get to her website in order to get this amazing book and the tools necessary for you to walk this same journey. And one more thing before you all go, have a great day, have a great week, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.